Welcome to the Long Drive Home Podcast with Alpha Mel Tea Party. This is episode 14 with Dan Nightingale from the band Conjurer, who takes us through the highs, the lows and the even lowers of touring with one of the UK's most exciting metal bands. They've recently signed to Nuclear Blast Records, which is a pretty big deal, but don't let that put you off. He's got some grim and sordid affairs to tell you all. If you've enjoyed this episode, after you've heard the intro and the whole episode, obviously, uh, or any of the other episodes, let us know. Uh, if you don't like them, keep it to yourself. What, you bastard? There we go. It's recording. We can't see you, Dan. How are you? I'll, I'll show you in a sec. I did, like, oh. <laughs> this thing is being a frigging pain. The software for me, Mike, decided, oh, we need to reboot your laptop, and my laptop takes... About 10 years to start. Hey, hello. <laughs> Finally, right. All good. How's everyone doing? Oh, you know, fine. Fine. Pushing, fine, but pushing not really. Through, well, yeah, pushing through unknown jungles every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that from? It's an, it's an ABBA lyric. Oh, is it? Fantastic. Yeah. Of course it is, yeah. Contemporary <laughs> reference, nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! How's this? So how's your lockdown going, man? Yeah, that it's going like oh, that. Oh, good, good. <laughs> no, just like I mean, I've been working all the way like since March. I've been working all the way through each lockdown. Um, uh, work for me dad at uh, the family motorbike shop, but like the shop's close to the public. But we do all the mail order stuff, right? And like so. <laughs> Mainly been sending out uh, loads of face masks, <laughs> which right. is yeah, hard which is kind of good. Um, so if I wanted to buy a sweet hog, I could. You're my guy then. Maybe <laughs> I don't know about a sweet hog. A hog definitely. Right. I'm not sure about a sweet. <laughs> sweet <hog. laughs> okay. My um my my old man a few years ago decided that um his sixties was the time to buy a Royal Enfield. Oh, and brilliant. then have it and have it shipped over to Hamburg, and he rides it about five times a year. But he's the but it's made Christmas a lot easier to purchase for him because he just sent instead of saying, "Oh, I, I quite like this singer, I quite like this book," he just sends me a part list <laughs> and just says, "Can you get me a new kickstand?" <laughs> so like, great, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, he knows what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Oh, have you ever tried to buy your dad a full set of leathers? Me, no. All the way around, though. Oh, really? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, good, good stuff. Well, um, I'm sure I, the, the world of uh, mail order bike parts and masks sounds pretty fun. Um, sounds like some, uh, I don't know, like at least it keeps you occupied, I suppose. Yeah. At the very least, it's routine. And I'm someone who very much appreciates routine because I had like, um, we recorded our newest album as soon as the second lockdown hit we were booked for like um the third of november for like three weeks and then it was like the fifth or sixth wasn't it the second one hit mm. so we were like fantastic um but uh at the end of that i think that lockdown finished early december and we were done by like the last week in november so i had like a week off um but dad was just like yeah we'll just furlough you for that last week 
and I nearly went out of my mind and that was only a week. So <laughs> I don't know how people have been, have done like a whole year of it. Like I can't, I need routine. Like I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just one of those people. Well, but, like, it's something to do in it. Yeah. I mean, our oh, Greg, it's been really, really, really tough for, for all of us. I think in this, in this band, like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've worked, six days in a year wow so and that was towards the end of last year and now I've been handed um, a bit of a shitty stick which I won't go into on the podcast but yeah it's not it's not been good really you know what I mean it's been super tough yeah it's shit is a massive understatement yeah yeah really is and the worst thing is, is that because I mean, you know, because we've we've gone like long periods without playing shows. You know, we 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 took a year out to write, not last year, but the year before, mm. with like maybe a couple of couple of odd shows here and there in it. And I could kind of live with that, but it's the complete isolation from doing music, full stop, because we can't get in and and even jam or anything it's that that's Mm. the bit that i can't really take anymore you know i can kind of go without playing to people it's actually playing with other with other people is the bit that i can't really have yeah i'm exactly the same man like we um we i say purchase we rented a lockup that's kind of that doubled up as our studio for the last album and um like we practiced there as well and we got it all set up all nice and lovely and i think the way we've done it we can actually technically still practice there i think but like the thing is with this uh, last album we it wasn't done like the one before like we went into the studio with seven songs that came out with eight so there are songs that we were writing but hadn't i think most of the album maybe two-thirds of the album we'd never played together in a room and so I'm desperate to like, right, we've recorded this frigging thing. Can we like play it together? And for one reason or another, like, I think we can do it, but people are very hesitant about getting into rooms and stuff like that, which I completely understand. But yeah, like I'm just dying to play my guitar very loud with other people playing their instruments very loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think everyone's just going to jizz themselves out there as soon as they get into a room together. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I'll wear a diaper. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we had we were very very similar insofar as we did pretty much exactly the same as you had written tunes, never played them together, mm. um, and there's only so many you know how many times you can play it to yourself in your flat before you like. Mm, I'd quite like I'd quite like a little bit more amplification here. My headphones only go so loud. Yeah, um, yeah, and doing things like playthroughs and stuff like that. They, they were a lovely novelty to start with, weren't they? And I, myself included. Everyone was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna play all our tunes or play some other people's tunes." And it's it's a great novel. And now everyone, I think everyone's really bored. a lot of people are very very bored of it. Like, please, please let me play yeah. in front of other people and get a response. What you could try and do to like simulate the the sense of volume while you're sat in your flat is just get a desk fan and just put it behind you. Just try and get your trousers flapping a little bit, and that might <laughs> help fill the fill the gap, maybe. Yeah, and then what I could do is I could knock on my neighbours' doors 
and then I could I could charge them ten pounds to leave their flat, and uh, and then I could play in the corridor. Um, yeah, could just try and simulate a gig, couldn't I? Gig I simulator. Think, I think at this rate, you'd have to pay them ten pounds for them to leave their flat. <laughs> yeah. We were actually, funnily enough, we were discussing this in the group chat how we'd actually even consider paying someone some money to play a gig right now, just because mm. it's been so fucking long. Uh, would you do a um, would you do a pay to play take sixty of your mates on a coach uh, to, to play let's say the Angel in Islington uh, right now over any gig over actually the, or over not gigging yes <laughs> easy <laughs> same like I've been I've been dreaming about our shittest gigs and going oh they were great weren't they like, <laughs> <laughs> they were something that's the important thing. <laughs> Kind of so, uh, so moving towards that then, um, in some kind of little segue, um, what do you have for us, Dan from Conjurer? Uh, yeah, what have you got for us? Uh, well, I'm a little bit mad and made a three-page Google Doc. Oh, this. yes! You can it's preparation. Amazing. <laughs> but, like, I got it, I got, like, 15, like, I cause so shout out to Brady from my band, our band, God, Freudian slip. <laughs> um, we've got a spreadsheet uh, of every single gig we've ever played and then future shows and times when we've recorded and stuff like that. And um I messaged the guys like that I was doing this thing with you and was like, what are the shittest gigs we've ever played? And it was absolutely a team effort. They were like, if you don't mention X, Y, and Z, you're not doing it right. And <laughs> one night I stayed up till like one in the morning, just going through the spreadsheet and going, oh yeah, there was that absolute shocker. And like wrote that down. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, got like 15 of them down. Mate, about half of them are more like, they'd have been shit for one or two of us. But the ones, the seven I've got now are like, they were shit for everyone involved. So that's that's my criteria. They have to have been shit for every single person. It can't have just been for me or for Jan. But yeah, like... Well, that, that's almost like the, the the flip reverse of making an album. You, make, you write 15 tunes and then you go, oh, two of us like them. But unless everyone likes them, yeah. we're not going to put them on the record. And that's kind <laughs> of... I like what you've done there. So, um, we, we taken this as your record, your album of shit gigs, then for us. Yes, <laughs> the greatest shits. Good, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're, we're all ears for Andrew Marr. <laughs> so, I don't know what to start with. I know, I know what I'm going to end with because when you sent me the message saying you got to end with your shittest one, I again, message like, what is the shittest one? And we've decided. But uh, the first one I've got here, I am going to name and shame because at oh, the same, good. as much as we sh like shame these venues at oh. the same time, we wouldn't be here without them. So they're kind of on dishonorable mentions in a way. <laughs> but um, one of the first ones I remember we played, I'm sure you guys are aware of the Griffin in Bristol. Oh, no. No. So. It was, um, I would say, probably the second most frustrating load-in only to the Old Blue Last. Oh. Yeah! <laughs> uh, of course. And, uh, 
And I noticed I listened to Serena's episode today, and I meant she mentioned that they went up like the fire escape for loading. We went through the old blue last for the loading. Oh, that's was terrible. Yeah, that's definitely worse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then it was only after we'd loaded everything then they were like, you know, you can go around the back way. <laughs> so then we took like one guitar up the back way. But anyway, <laughs> we're on about the Griffin. Um, that was another load in through a bar, busy bar, mm. up some very narrow and rickety stairs. Again, not quite as steep. And like the old blue lass had way more stairs. Mm. But um, yeah, rubbish loading, nowhere to store the gear. Also, it was fucking sweltering. It was so hot in there. It was this death core all day, says a lot. And <laughs> there was no air con at all. So they just had industrial fans, thankfully, in front of, you know, where we were stood. Mm. Mine was the only fucker that didn't work. So oh. <laughs> wasn't happy about that. Um, the PA blew up. Good. <laughs> so we had no microphones, um, but I think it was something like it blew up after we'd sound checked. So we got in, did a sound check, everything. Oh, there's fans here. Brilliant. And then when we came on, we just saw this guy, bless him. He was by the PA and then just looked to us and shrugged. <laughs> and just like, he was just like, it's all yours, fellas. So we, we resorted to walking into the middle of the crowd and just shouting all the lyrics at people. <laughs> it made no difference to me because I my fan wasn't working, but for Brady and everyone else, it was like, well, to do our set, I have to walk away from the only thing that's keeping me from melting. So, <laughs> yeah, we did that. That wasn't much fun. Um, and it was one of those ones that... <laughs> We don't do it a lot, but sometimes, you know, you play a venue and you just go, we, no, we're not playing there again. Yeah. So, of course, we played there again the year after. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, that was my first mention. I can't believe we've not mm. played it. I'd have thought, you know, we're rubbish, well, we, you're good. We, like, <laughs> we, we almost uh, exclusively played at the Stag and Hounds. Like we've we've only ever played like two venues in in Bristol, and it was it's the Stag and Hounds and Mother's Ruin, and like the Mother's Ruin show was like crazy, and it was after the Stag and Hounds had shut. I don't know if you guys ever played the Stag, but um, it was kind yeah, of, yeah. You know, it was kind of like the I don't know whatever you want to call our music's like Bristol hub. Oh. And when that when that shut, it was kind of like, well, the fuck, are we going to play now? Uh, <laughs> so, you want to get to the Griffin, mate? Yeah, well, yeah clearly, <laughs> clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, we're not on the map if we've not played the Griffin. Uh, <laughs> felt felt the full weight of the PA dying underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, we, we did the Stag before that. I like that place; that's cool. But I've never been to mm. Mother's Ruin. Never. Well, I've heard of it, but I've never been to it. It's, well, it's kind of like the sister venue to the Stag and Hounds. So it was like I think when they shut the Stag, it was like a choice between well, we either keep Mother's Ruin or we keep the Stag. And I think the Mother's Ruin was actually because it's kind of a nightclub as well. It sort of mm. kept them going a little bit better. So they got rid of the stag, which was gutting because the mother's ruin isn't as well equipped for like sweaty, nasty shows because the the stage is like up some stairs and the stairs are like right by where the audience stands. So mm. it was basically, basically like, playing like playing on the landing, aren't you? 
Yeah, and it's like everyone's sort of really fearful that they're going to fall down the stairs. So they're, they're all just sort of like everyone's quite static when they're normally at the stag. They'd be like, fucking come on! But, yeah, <laughs> the mothers are in, they're just kind of like, oh, I don't fancy falling down the stairs. So I can't stand here. Um, Cowards. Cowards. <laughs> it's not a proper show unless you really are, unless you artificially inject you know, like peril. <laughs> Is it? Um, oh Griffin sounds pretty fun though. Uh, was it was it quite a smelly event? Sounds like it could have been a smelly event. <laughs> Did you get that from Deathcore all day? my new fragrance line. <laughs> it's one of those places that's like it's a perfectly charming like bar and whatnot and like going that like I've I'm pretty sure I've been to shows there before like not playing them and it, it's a nice place it's just there's a very big difference between how a venue is for a punter versus how it is for a musician absolutely of course yeah, yeah. um well the griffin um <laughs> Make sure our booking agent sorts that one out for us. Yeah, John. Uh, uh. Come on, then. What else you got? Uh, the next one I've got is: um, Are you aware of the lug hole in Sheffield? Oh fucking hell! Another one. You're just going to throw uh, venue after venue that we've never you're going for the hat before. trick, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm sure was... like a different a different touring circuit to us all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the lug hole, it was one of these venues that's like attached to a pub, which is rarely a good sign. But um, we got there and like we, I, I, I distinctly remember seeing the pub and there was someone there asking us to go through there. But then the venue to the side, it may as well have just been a garage. It was as dingy as dingy gets. And again, it was a thing of like, loading through the crowd there wasn't a you know a back area or anything um and then you're like oh where do we store gear in the crowd <laughs> so oh. i remember like having to ask some people like that were stood holding beers in their hands or whatever just like yeah can we can we put the uh the drum coffin down here please <laughs> stuff like that and um i say i asked i'm too shy to ask it'll absolutely have been yano brady <laughs> but um yeah so stuff like that and then I remember we played on the floor because there was just zero room on the stage. So it was the three. So me, Andy, our bassist at the time, and Brady stood at the front of the stage. But then the onstage monitors were then behind the microphones. So they were feeding back a ton. And we were like trying to angle them in a certain way or like, I'm pretty sure Brady stood on the stage with the room that he had and then raised the mic stand super high and, lent it back so that it wouldn't feedback. There was just constant feedback all the time. Couldn't hear a thing. Kept like motioning over to the guy at the desk, just like, oh, you know, turn, turn the game down, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And I have never seen anyone more <laughs> off their tits in my life. <laughs> just like eyes roll into the back of his head, look like a slug. <laughs> and we're just like, mate, mate. And he like, he... I'm sure he was having a fantastic time, but it was very much at our expense. But there wasn't wasn't much else. Like we, in terms of eventful gigs, we've not had that many. It's more just been like 
okay, is there room to put gear? No. Okay, is the equipment good? No. Okay, is there room for us to go on stage? No. Just, <laughs> just stuff like that, <laughs> like over and over and over. But yeah, um, that was... <laughs> Again, another one of just like you cannot wait to just blast through your set. Don't you don't even care about you know being polite. You just get your stuff in the car and go home. Yeah, oh, it reminds me of um, that one in Edinburgh we played where you had to store the gear under the stage. But if you if you weren't on first, you then had to move people away from the front of the stage to get the gear from under the oh. stage, and then and then take all the drum stands out and all that. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, which gig was that? Yeah, that we. Uh, it was, it was Vasquez's last ever show. Oh, Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. Yeah. Yes. And there's nothing quite like sort of having to set up all your stuff like in essentially in the crowd. So really, kind of, you feel quite vulnerable, like mm. you're, like you're kind of naked or something, and you're just kind of like fumbling around with your stuff trying to get it set up quicker than usual just to make the process stop <laughs> just stop please stop looking at me please <laughs> stop looking at me <laughs> oh god yeah uh, like it's a rite of passage though isn't it i guess it is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah, no, i is. mean it is because I, I mean that's kind of like part of part of why we set up this podcast in the first place is is because it's it's funny how all of these experiences are, are pretty universal. Like every band that you talk to, they've all had a hammered sound engineer that couldn't give a fuck. Uh, worst loading of all time, you know. We've, you know, and and it just goes on and on and on. And and obviously, not every gig you play is like great fun or like a glamorous, uh, you know. Well, I don't think any of our gigs have ever been glamorous, actually. No, no glamorous no. shows, man. What you've done is started a podcast basically showing everyone what poor decisions we've made with our lives. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe, maybe the pandemic was the best thing that could ever happen to a rock band. Just, just kept bands off the road, and that's what everyone wanted. Yeah, <laughs> keep them away. <laughs> Virus just really made us sit down and go, think about what you've been doing <laughs> and question if this is better. And we've still gone, no, it was better before. Yeah. I'd rather be sad and dejected driving home in a van than this. Yes. And As he sits from his wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be fearing for my life in Darwin Blackburn than not leaving my flat for six months. Um, I have to pull you up there because Darwin is not technically in Blackburn. It's Darwin. It's Blackburn Ooh. with Darwin. Um, so just so you're aware. I grew up around right. so I know this stuff. Great. Good chat. Good chat. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Semantics, good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm curious to know about uh, a little bit more about your sound guy. Like, did he did he stick around for the whole night or was he is it just kind of was he ducking in and out or did he have to, did you have to communicate with him in any way? <laughs> we communicated with him. He did not communicate with it. He was communicating with higher beings that night. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh yeah, I think he was playing in one of the other bands, but um, yeah, he was just, 
I can't even blame him in a way because it's just like, I think he maybe even saw the venue and just went, yeah, I, I know what to do to help me forget about tonight. <laughs> Professionalism at its uh, very best. Well, uh, what, what's, what's next on your uh, spreadsheet of doom? And I uh, doom in, in the, the classical context of the word. Um, I'm going to, break my own little rule a bit and that this gig wasn't bad for absolutely everyone, but most of us. And I think people could see why more than anything. It's just kind of, it's a little bit more eventful. It wasn't just stuff didn't work. Uh, But um, we were on a tour with Conan and we stopped at the star and shadow cinema in Newcastle. Great. Mm. Is that a hat trick? If you not- is it, is, is, is that, it's, that sounds like a specialist cinema, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, <laughs> independently run, definitely. It was the weirdest <laughs> looking place. Um, but um, I remember rocking up there and the name rang a bell and then found out that there's this folk singer I really like called Richard Dawson. Yeah. Oh yes. Hey, people have heard of him. Great. <laughs> and um, it said in his peasant album, like in the liner notes, uh, "Go visit the Star and Shadow." Right. And so when it was like, "Why is this ring a bell?" And then I'm pretty sure I saw a Richard Dawson poster. So, like, oh, there we go. And I was like, "Oh, this is wicked." And uh, the green room was the cinema, right. which is really cool. So yeah. plenty of place to store gear. Um was just like, yeah, this is going to be cracking. And I think we had an hour as well. And so doing our usual setting up, everything, blah, blah, blah. We get on stage, we do line check and everything was all right. It wasn't, you know, the greatest sound or anything. We were like, yeah, it'll do. Off we go. Uh, As soon as we started playing, zero of my guitar, zero of my vocals, it was all Brady. And I was like, okay, it's fine, yeah. Uh, excuse me, dude, can I get more vocals, more guitar, et cetera, et cetera. Playing through the song and nothing. And the next song I get a break and I say it again, nothing. As well, there was just like tons of, they really overdid the smoke machine. Oh, love that. So oh, couldn't even see the dude. And then finally I ask again, like a little bit more sternly, I hate doing that, but um, it was just like, dude, can I get, you know, more vocals or less Brady, whatever. And then finally the smoke clears and I see this little child at the front of house must have been like 14, 15, bless him. He looked like Chicken Little and big glasses. And he was just staring at me like wide-eyed and back at the desk and then up at me and then back at the desk and up at me. I was like, oh no, he doesn't know what he's doing. And later found out, um, maybe later found out, I may have been earlier on at the time, but the whole show was run by volunteers. Oh. And I think it was that the kid at the desk wasn't the sound guy. His dad was. And basically what had happened is the smoke machine had been setting off the fire alarm in the venue. (laughs) (laughs) So he had to run off and deal with that and left his poor bewildered son at the desk. And he's just got, you know, these burly men on stage just go, can I get more vocals, please? I <laughs> had no idea what to do. So just like through a bit of a hit, I was like, oh, God. So, so just got through it and then, yeah, got off stage afterwards and they said that it was the fire alarm and all that kind of stuff. And it 
continued to go off throughout the night, which was very fun. Um, but the main thing that kind of redeemed that gig is, have any of you heard of the Newcastle upon Tyne speed donk experience? Um, I'm, I can, I, I think <laughs> I know what it is. Cause I know, I know about the Bolton donk scene. <laughs> is that is is that oh, like is that like dunk and dunk and dunk that kind yes. of music? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, banging donk, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, um, like, right. like like happy hardcore kind of thing. No? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jan will know more about that kind of stuff than me. But um, <laughs> we so we did the gig and it was like oh bollocks, and then we get back to the the green room, the cinema. And for one, they had these lovely like sofas, like right at the front, like premium seats. And the promoter came in and they'd bought everyone like huge, huge pizzas and like just like a big pizza box full of chips and Donami and all that kind of stuff. And we were just like, oh, this is great. Oh. And <laughs> we're sat there just chilling out. And then we realized one of the guys there is from the. I'll just say Nuki Donk experience. <laughs> and Jan practically jumped out of his skin. He was like, oh my God, oh my God. Because he, he loves all that. And oh, really? basically <laughs> the redeeming factor of the night was that he regaled us with all the tales of that outfit, and, <laughs> including a tale of um, Donkfest, <laughs> which was a festival they'd set up and just was the, I can't even remember half the details for, but it was just in, insane stuff. Like there was a guy, like there, there was a mosh pit or whatever. And there was a guy who had like chucked beer on the floor and then proceeded to get a pogo stick and jump up and down on the beer stained floor, kept falling over all that. So someone had put, filled one of the monitors with silly string, um, <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And like, story of um i think it was for donkfest they just all they did was they got a poster for bloodstock festival and just like microsoft paint over it like <laughs> off the lineup and they got a letter from bloodstock saying look you can't just do that like we're gonna have to send you a cease and desist so they then proceeded to take that letter and use that as the backdrop for the <laughs> for the the lineup, I so it. it was just like a word document saying, "Please stop doing this," and then all their names. All um, and I, I I don't respect the humorlessness of Bloodstock in that situation. <laughs> just go fair play, lads. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for reciting that, but it, it's too funny not to. Absolutely. Not to tell anyone. Yeah. Have you signed a, a non-disclosure agreement and you're now in breach of that? <laughs> no agreement was ever... I would not have signed that. <laughs> if, it, if it meant I couldn't tell that story, I would not have signed that. You couldn't tell that story on a podcast listened to by at least 15 people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's hope those 15 people are sound. I, I enjoy that story because there's a lot of dimensions to it. There's a, a real nice ebb and flow to the, uh, you know, the narrative. Uh, I think it would make a good publishable book. Uh, yeah, there's a happy I ending. Just love, yeah. Well, I just love the smoke parting. 
<laughs> and essentially a child at the desk. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I didn't feel I could really rag him because, you know, I thought I was talking to his dad. Yeah. <laughs> you thought you were talking to a grown-up. <laughs> you, you weren't talking to a grown-up, were you? No. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, oh. Right. Um, I'm curious about how uh, Jan got into the scene of, of the, the, the donk scene. Whether so am I, to be honest. To it. Uh, you know, like a, maybe an album that we should check out that that might sort of you know like a crossover, yeah, like a crossover, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he like he's um, he's managed to sample like their own. I mean, I think the song actually that kicked it all off was um, they did a version of Head Shoulders Knees and Toes and called it Head Shoulders Knees and Donk <laughs> and. <laughs> I think you can guess how that goes. It's very fun. I'm going to find it right now. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the record label is Chin Stroke Records. And what I have to suggest to you is, um, <laughs> um, oh, I've got to find the link for it now, but it, there's a Chin Stroke Records live stream from Japan, uh, which featured, um, I think it's called the West Yorkshire Mick Hulknall or something like that. <laughs> oh god that's incredible i um i think knees and donk sounds like a belgian center off to me <laughs> i found it so yeah if you just type in chin stroke records japan it's like the second video down a wonderful thumbnail it's south yorkshire mick hucknell please <laughs> after this is are done you, are you on youtube right now yeah, I want to look now. Are you are you on YouTube now? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, one sec. Hang on. Let me just load it up. <laughs> like after this is done, the three of you just sit and watch that. Honestly, I think you'll you'll find love of life again after watching that. But yeah, that's all. It's all the same thing. The Nuki Donk experience, South Yorkshire, Mick Hucknall, DJ Dad Magnet. Um, oh, that was an old thing. So DJ Dad Magnet, right? He is a genius. He often does, he, he has conceptual sets, as I'll say. One of them is also available online from the same Japan live stream in which he just does DIY to power ballads. <laughs> so he'll just have like I don't want to miss a thing playing as he tries to make a shelf <laughs> and then at the end of each song he holds up the thing he's created and everyone goes wild for it and that's incredible wow. that- yeah, I, I'd regale you with more stories about DJ Dad Magnet but this podcast will be about four hours long so I'll, <laughs> I'll leave you to discover the rest of it we, we, we might need to bail him uh, I think so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that does remind me of our uh, concept band idea that we had, which is simply someone cooking a barbecue on stage. So, just so that someone could say, can I get some more bacon in the monitor, please? <laughs> <laughs> My, um, a, a, a good friend of ours, uh, Paul Barrow from the band Death Blooms, uh, top blog, he, uh, he came, I think it was him who came up with the idea, the concept band of having a band called Enter Sandman who turned up to shows and played and only played Enter Sandman, but played it seven times <laughs> in a row in, <laughs> and didn't tell anyone that that's what they were going to do. Oh, that is um, that would be Jan's worst nightmare. 
<laughs> so what else what else have you got for us then Dan? Pulling up the spreadsheet. Back to the back to yeah. I, I, you should like try and incorporate formulas, and then you can sort of grade them, like oh, conditional yes. formatting, and grade them at um, oh, levels of severity. Oh, I'd love to. Um, <laughs> so, next one is the Ringer Rock Bar in Stoke. Oh my god! Oh, I, I do know this hey! one. I've played this one. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so. This was like a, another all day thing. I think it was supporting a band called Space Witch. Right. Um, Space and <laughs> the gig wasn't actually that bad, but um, it was another of many where our bassist showed up mid set. <laughs> we had a few mid-set. of them. His, his job was like, he, I uh, don't know if he's still doing it now, but um, he worked for, he, did like computer science in Lloyd's pharmacy or something like that. I probably got that completely wrong. It was a very high end job to do with Lloyd's pharmacy. So there were, you know, he couldn't really just go, Oh, by the way, um, I'm playing down in Brighton in like two hours. So can I just, can I just nip out? Like there wasn't much of that. It was a very, you know, high end job, but um, yeah, gig wasn't actually that bad. He turned up um, (laughs) mid set. And of like the very few songs he got to play in the middle of one of them, his head blew up. So not his actual <laughs> head. <it> was amp- <laughs> like I actually that that, that 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 took my breath away there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sometimes forget that needs clarifying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love so, the idea that his head blowing up. <laughs> the third gig on the list, you know, it wasn't that. Yeah. And I thought one day, like, there's going to be a story about this. I'm going to go on a podcast to 15 people about this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so his amp head blew up and so didn't know what to do. So he just plonked his bass down by his amp, hopped down from the stage and just continued to watch us. <laughs> That's, so, that's that's sad that's really sad he was such a good sport about it like that happened uh, so many times where it's just like nothing i can do um so yeah there was that um but again but this turn, a, well the turning up mid set thing i kind of want to explore so you were that so you essentially play as what were you still a, a four piece at that point so would you have played as a three piece yeah and then so, yeah, we were all yeah. always been a four piece, and then like, yeah, there were just a few. There were shows where like he'd message to say he was running late or whatever. So it was usually like if we were playing in Brighton or whatever. There, I, I don't think there was a single gig in Brighton where he he didn't get stuck in traffic and whatnot. So he played a fair few shows in his suit. Amazing! Uh, oh, right. Is, well, yeah, that is a look. Yeah, times when, like, I don't know, we'd be, like, five minutes into our set time. So me and Brady would be stood out the front, like, in the one car parking space on the entire street. Cars trying to get in. We're like, no, no, keep going. We're saving this. And then Andy would rock up in his suit, his orange bass head, his GNL bass, and he'd just run upstairs, and then we'd do, like, the 23 minutes we had left or whatever. But, yeah, um, he turned up in the middle of a set, played, like, two of the five songs, like the middle two, and then just punked his bass down and just had a watch. <laughs> but th- this is another one where like, 
the event around the gig is more fun. Um, we played with... Have you heard of a guy called Filthy Turd? <laughs> I mean, I've no, heard, I feel like we're learning a lot <laughs> But... Uh... <laughs> So Filthy Turd is a bloke who plays with a Tesco's bag over his head. Um, and he, <laughs> he has a suitcase filled with like tape equipment and stuff. And it's all samples that he messes around with. So he spent ages setting up this suitcase and then left it. And all I can describe it, he started singing this song and very slowly walking through the crowd as he was singing it. And we can remember the lyrics because we say them to each other quite often. The song went, I've just got back from Venus. I've just got back from the sea. I've spent all my days smuggling and now the law is after me because I'm a smuggler, a dirty smuggler. And with each line, he just stepped forward into the crowd, like right up to people's faces. And we were like, sold. I, I am watching the rest of it. <laughs> and then like the rest of his set was just like noise samples and stuff. And after like seven minutes of harsh noise, he just stopped. And the promoter went up to him and was like, you've got half an hour, mate. He was like, oh, sorry. I got lost in my own world there. Well, I've packed down now. So he played for like 12 minutes of his half an hour. And... um <laughs> We later found out he was leaving cassettes all around the venue and he said that he'd recorded over them. So they were just like his own noise work <laughs> albums that he'd recorded over them. Uh, I managed to pick up the Phil Collins one and the <laughs> Tiffany one. Um, for years, I didn't play the because I, I don't have a tape player. And then my mate went and bought one on the cheap. Uh, we put the Tiffany one in. He had not recorded over it. It was just the Tiffany tape. <laughs> so we put it in and it's just, I think we're alone now. <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> he, must have forgot, he, he must have forgot to put a sellotape over the little squares on the ends. Remember that? That's how you, that's how you could like record back, on, back in the old days. <laughs> I like the idea that he'd like drop it in for like, you know, like a minute in the middle of a Tiffany tune. <laughs> and you like you get to the bridge section and I think we're alone now and suddenly it's just <laughs> horrible and then it goes back again. Yeah, we he's another one that would be great to YouTube because I remember Jan found footage of the guy and he was playing he was playing in just well a square room, <laughs> but around the room in sort of a horseshoe shape, people were just sat on chairs and like and he just opened up again his suitcase that just said filthy turd and tipex on it <laughs> and <laughs> continued to play sweet caroline by status quo but with so much distortion and just blasted it at people and then just walked up to each person individually as it was playing and i don't know if he was singing it or what but he t this is what he does i don't i hope he's still alive <laughs> He sounds ideal for like a wedding or a kid's party, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, this is when it's like, the gig was like, okay, that was rubbish and crap, whatever. And then, and then the it was just completely made up by the events surrounding it. But yeah, filthy See, I, 
see the the, the coronavirus uh, um, the coronavirus thing has affected a lot of us in different ways. But I really I really feel for Filthy Turd because <laughs> that's not the kind of thing you can live stream. Really, is handing out Phil Collins cassettes in Stoke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's you know, yeah, you can't stream that. I've just I hope he a, does, though. I've just found a, a a song by Filthy Turd. Uh, which has the the song title "Cock Dollar on Ambulance Time." <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah, oh, I'm giving but... you great stuff for your watch later playlist. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we can well, sneak that, it into um, the pod. Yeah, well, it, yeah, but what you're also you're also messing up my algorithm because my, my so I love my daughter's videos of the Gruffalo and all the lovely children's books, and then it'll have Filthy Turd and Donk, and, and then it's Dennis Burkamp's best ever goals. <laughs> <laughs> My algorithm's screwed. But your evenings are sorted. That's the important yes, thing. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, it's nice remembering these things. <laughs> it was nice. I'm kind of in the room with you at the moment, and it's nice. I can imagine the situation. Like I've definitely, I can't remember a specific example, but I've definitely been to a gig where there's been a person that's like that. And yeah. depending on what mood I'm in, sometimes I think it's hilarious, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, just fuck off, will you? Remember that gig we did? Jumped the, the gig in, sorry, the, the gig in Manchester that we did at the uh, the bet at the Bay Horse. The guy who had the um, I heard you oh, like yeah, what's 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 like the music box that you like crank up? The hurdy gurdy. Is it a hurdy gurdy? Is that the name of it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh Nelson. And he basically like sang like Gregorian chants over the top of it. That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool. But, but, he, but he, he basically opened for us and cleft. Just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did, uh, yeah. He did this like a cappella piece about the death of Admiral Nelson. Uh, <laughs> we occasionally, or occasionally, like very frequently, sing to each other when they're bored. We genuinely hope he's still doing it. And if he is, could he please come on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's um I hope he's live streaming that from his flat. <laughs> um, and talk about how his worst gig of his life is the Bay Horse supporting a bang <laughs> party. Everyone's yeah, exactly. just stood around just like laughing. <laughs> yeah, I'll so I couldn't decide the next two are kind of like it's a double crescendo thing. Like we decided oh, yeah. on the very last one would be the worst gig. But again, this is another one where like the events around it were just fantastically bad. But um, <laughs> we played, uh, I was going to say last year then, I keep thinking it's 2020. In the end of 2019, we did uh, our first like proper headline tour. And we managed to get over to Switzerland, which I was super excited about because everyone hears good things about Switzerland. Um, but we got warned by our drummer beforehand. He was like, they will tax all of your merch at the border. Really? Yeah, he, he'd been there like with his previous band before. And he said, yeah, they tax everything. So we basically came up with what we were going to do was on the French border, we were going to book a hotel, uh, 
basically fill the rooms with the merch, put all the merch in the rooms and then just take over like a decent amount of stuff. Like not the whole lot because we just get text out the arse for it. So um, we found this hotel and it was still under construction (laughs) (laughs) when we got there. So it was like, okay, it was like the, the only hotel we could find. And the whole thing was like, they said they only had two rooms and we were like, fucking hell, so where are we going to sleep? And they were like, we might free up later on and then we'll let you know. And we were like, okay. And we, we were pretty, you know, it'll free up. You know, people come and go all the time. So we were like, yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We'll sleep in this half built hotel. <laughs> um, but the two rooms we did get meant that both of them were filled with merch like you literally couldn't get in or out of them um so we filled them up took over what we could uh we get to the venue and the guy says there's a db limit which is always but um he said db (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was like it was something like 100 db oh fucking hell and we were like we're usually at like 115 or some shit, 110 or some shit. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you, you can't go over because if you do, the cops will immediately come to the venue and shut it down. And we were like, how are we going to do it? Like, it even got to the point where our sound guy was just like, look, how much is the fine? Like <laughs> if it's low enough, we'll just, we'll just go over and pay it. Like we just don't want to play that quietly. Um, but the guy was like, no, you, you you absolutely cannot do it. So we were like, okay, I guess we'll turn down. So we turned down and they were like, no, you need to turn down even more. And so we turned down even more and it still wasn't enough. And it was like, Jan put a tea towel on his snare and like put, <sighs> muted his toms. And I think he like, I can't remember if he got rid of like a couple of symbols or something or put something over the symbols. Uh, but it was still too loud. So Dahi, our sound guy, was like, turn the cabs around. So we had to turn the cabs around so they were facing away from us. And just, as I say, yeah, just turn everything down as like as low as it could. Um, thankfully, like, it was all mic'd up and stuff. So it was, he was like, don't worry, it'll still come through your monitors. It will just be the worst gig you've ever played. <laughs> and so we soldiered through and again, a redeeming factor was that the showers there were immaculate. They were wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, it was just another thing of like, just like getting to the hotel. It was half built. There weren't enough rooms. We finished the gig, went back to the hotel and we're like, is anything freed up? And they were like, no. Oh. So it was like, where are we all going to sleep? So we crammed as many people into the two rooms as we could. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then everyone else like slept in the vans and stuff like that, like on the floor of the van and stuff. So, as you know, it's not the worst thing ever, but it was just like a lot of faff for a not very good gig yeah. and getting taxed and everything. Um, it was all right for Connor though. Cause um, <laughs> when we were at the border, the, woman who was like because they make you go through all the merch you have to count it in front of them like right 
and yeah, just a massive palaver. But the woman there did ask for a CD, so Connor was very happy to get a spring in his step and go and give her a free CD. It's all about the hustle. But, uh, yeah, that weren't a great one. And as well, I remember us being in the dressing room and was just like, oh, fuck this place, man. And someone was like, be, be careful saying stuff like that. They, they do record in these rooms and we were like sorry sorry switzerland yeah like you said it was bugs so we were just like sorry switzerland you're okay really <laughs> but yeah like just again like the, the people there you know i get it they had a limit they were just doing their job and everything but it was just like no matter what we did in terms of you know trying to find a hotel sorting out the merch like sound at the show it like nothing was good enough it like everything had to you know so yeah it was just a massive palaver um it's um it sounds like one of those where for a promoter it's easier to say no because it's like you know you you surely got to have some kind of idea of what kind of band you are mm. like i've i played um, you know, for a long time in like wedding bands who's decibel limit. I'm work with, I'm playing with decibel limiters. And for a wedding band who's playing fucking Stevie Wonder tunes, it's too, it's too much. So you know, you've got to have some semblance of reality and go. Hmm, I've I've listened to the record. It's not very quiet, is it? No. Should I put these on? Yeah. All right then. It's like what? I don't. I'm not sure what level of reality I'm operating on here. Like, why yes. would you? Would you do that? Yeah, this is what I don't get. Is because the thing is, it was quite a. Um, it was a nice venue. It's a really nice venue, as I say. Brilliant showers, <laughs> but like, <laughs> just you know, and if they can afford to have the place bugged, like you know, and yeah, just like it was a really nice place, and there were plenty of gig posters about and stuff. And I'm pretty sure, like, my memory's pretty fuzzy, but I'm pretty sure there were posters for metal bands and stuff. Mm. But yeah, just like. Just a big palaver. Just you know, it, it. I mean, it just sounds like I don't know. That I I feel like there's a cutoff point where it's like, well, the only thing that's making this loud is ha- just how a drum kit sounds. Oh yeah. And if and 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 if you can't, if the venue can't handle a drum kit just being played at a moderate level, then arguably it's not a fucking venue. It's just a room that the police like to come and shout at people in uh yeah it's not really a venue yeah it, it was very strange because like, i've played um me and connor and yan were in a little death metal band in our hometown like a good eight years ago or so and like the last gig we played was just in a pub and that had a db limit and it was the whole thing was if you went over it um they wouldn't call the police or anything but it would just turn all the power off yeah yeah and, you know, I've been in venues before where they're like, there's a DB limit, but we'll just turn it off sort of thing. So you play as loud mm. as you want. Like, there was stuff like that, but this was the most stringent, you know, like, if you go over, the police will turn up and you will get fined and stuff like that. And so it was just like, just as you kept turning down, like, I'm telling you, man, like, the volume on my head was that low. You know, there's, like, a point where it just... It's at like bedroom level and it's just like a low hum, yeah. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it was like that and it was just like... Sorry, sorry. Do, do, you, do you have a volume knob on your head? 
Amped head. <laughs> Don't get the joke. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Is that a, a callback there? Oh, Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> Good. You can tell that none of us have been around other humans for the longest time. <laughs> Sorry, Todd, I had to. I thought someone else was going to do that, but I thought no. It's so fine. <laughs> well, well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Switzerland was was a debacle. Is uh is is that is that what we predict Brexit Britain is going to become a decibel limited tax nightmare? <laughs> Who knows? Well, Switzerland, we'll put that on our list of places to maybe not visit uh, if we ever get back into Europe ever again. This thing, I don't even remember getting to the venue or anything. Like all I remember as well is like the the two bands that we were with, Armed for Apocalypse and um, Earth Moves. Uh, I think the night before we were in Paris and everyone got a bit merry, as you do. And uh, the bassist of Earth Moves is a complete animal when he's drunk. He's got like a condition where like he'll drink one pint and he'll he'll stay drunk for like four times the length that it does for anyone. Like he processes booze like four times slower than anyone else. So it doesn't take much. And when he has had some, he is gone for like 24 hours. And so like in the van, it was the whole thing of like, right, we're at a border, best behavior. And he was in the other van, like being all silly. I think the, uh, the guitarist of Armed had to like, they're from America, Armed are. And they had to kind of like, you know, clutch his shoulder and just be like, don't fuck this up for us, mate. He's like, okay, I'll be a good boy. <laughs> but yeah, just... Rubbish, but yeah. Um, my last one uh, is the Met Lounge in Peterborough. Oh, Peterborough! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. never played there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, th- uh, um, this one was just like combined. Everything combined just led to an absolute shit show. Like. We had, there was a massive traffic diversion that caused delays. And this was like, you know, at work, we'd book, I don't know, we'd book to leave like an hour early or something like that. They'd be like, oh, okay. And so we're in the car and we're getting down there and the sat nav's like, yeah, it's going to take you like two hours. And it's like, when's our set? An hour and a half. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we're, I was going to say, bombing it to Peterborough, but we weren't, we were at a standstill and uh, literally figured out the time of like when we're going to get there versus when we're meant to be on. And it was just like this traffic best fucking clear up. And the worst thing was our basis was half an hour behind us. Uh-huh. So even at the time we were like, you, you're not going to get there in time for our set. You may as well just turn around and go home. It will save you fuel, money, hassle, traffic, like everything. But we powered through. We got there. I think we got there as we were meant to start. We had loaded onto the stage maybe 10 minutes into our set and our basis wasn't there. So another one of those playing as a threesome. And, uh, I also, for some reason, decided to. I, I recently got a Orange Thunderverb head. I was like, "Yeah, hey, I'll try this out. This would be great for Doom and all that kind of stuff." And completely slipped my mind that it has only two channels, and I usually need three. So tap dancing on the pedal board ensued. Um, but it was just 
another one of like, our basis isn't here. This sounds absolutely shit. I don't know what I'm doing with my gear. And um, at the end of the set, I went to introduce like the fastest song of the set. And I usually, at the time, the song was called Bastard. So I'd scream, you bastard. And then there'd be a accounting into it. And in the middle of screaming, you bastard, Jan clarted me on the back of the head with a drumstick, turned around. So what the fuck did you do that for? And he was like, our set's over. I was like, so all the crowd would have heard is, you bat... What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, see you later. And then just like, very, <laughs> I just remember us like packing down, like just heads like to the floor, walking off the stage. And who walks in through the backstage door? It's Andy with his bass in his head. He's like, did I miss it? That sounds like a Python sketch, that does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as eventful as some of the other ones, but it was it was like the comedic timing of it, of the whole thing, <laughs> was just perfect. And then as well afterwards, like to tr- to cheer ourselves up, we went to a Burger King and they were doing a Halloween burger where the bun was black. Oh, no. Oh, right, yeah. And yeah. I had one of them um, and it was bollocks. So, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> I, I, I still, I do, did, was your bassist walking in with a suit on like Tony Lavin? Unfortunately, no. if he was, then it would have been top notch. But no, he just wandered in in his jeans and his 90s hardcore shirt. And it was, it was just the... <laughs> head held down and then I'm walking down the steps from the stage and I see two feet, a base and a head and him just going, are we going on? We were like, what's it fucking look like? <laughs> Bless his heart. Like that, that happens more often than should ever have happened. Bless him. Wow. Yeah. You'd, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's a bit of a mad one, that really, turning up halfway through your own set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had um, I, I had I, I had a bad dream. I don't know whether I told you this, Tom or Ben, but um, it happened a few weeks ago, and um, I dreamt that I was late for a gig. And um, when, I, when I finally got to the stage, one of the barmen was basically playing our set, but, like, <laughs> on some, like, electric kit he found, like... Backstage somewhere, and you just turned around to me and went, "Oh, it doesn't matter, Greg. You can go home." <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, yeah. that sounds about right, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we would, we would do that. Oh well, well, <laughs> gigs, eh? Gigs. <laughs> Gotta love them. Bring them back. Yeah, I mean that that Peterborough gig does does remind uh, me of of our uh, only gig at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen Nut Gaff, um, where we turned up like we loaded on through the crowd and like straight onto stage and, and full house as well, wasn't it? it? Was, yeah, it was. There were about like probably about three hundred people there, right? Yeah, it was busy. It was like, it was awful. We arrived 10 minutes after we were due to start. And uh, it's just the worst feeling when you're sat in the van. Uh, I I mean, I I have, uh, not to be too graphic, but I have incredibly reactive intestinal tract. So I could just feel... (laughs) To put it mildly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel myself like needing a really nervous poo and knowing that I just couldn't. 
I just couldn't do it. And uh, and we just had to load on and play the set. And I reckon we probably played the quickest set, maybe second quickest after that, um, after the 15 minute long set that we got to play at the King's Arms in Salford. Um, but, I seem to remember it taking us about eight hours to get to London that, that time. Well, not maybe not that long, but it like it was, I do remember us not getting over 50 mile an hour on the way down there. And then it taken us three hours from the M25 to Hoxton. Yeah, oh, horrible. In rush hour. feel that tension building in my stomach just thinking about it now. You know, like, so you quite often, you quite often need to go for a shit before we start anyway. I do, yeah. And which I do as well. Obviously, yeah. yeah, obviously I feel really, really happy about this. And we're never, never, never late for a stage time ever. I mean, we're not really. Come on, that's not fair. I get my, I get the job done. I'm used to my process. It's just the fear of shitting yourself on stage for me. Oh. You just got to. Yeah, but no one's gonna, know, no one's gonna know if you shit yourself because you've sat down. But you'd smell it so bad. Depends on the size of the venue. Man, I'm really sorry. <laughs> we'll just take it over. <laughs> it's shit shots. <laughs> Honestly, Brady will appreciate this. He has a few stories like that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, ask him one time. He, yeah. he loves to tell them. <laughs> they are well, good. Remember, they are good stories. I remember reading about Rob Flynn from Machine Head. Um, found out, did he have Crohn's? He found out he had Crohn's disease and he just decided that he was going to um, play the rest of his like tour when he found out he was going to play them wearing a nappy underneath his... Jeans in case he just shat himself while playing. Nasty. That's a that's a superhero move. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, but I imagine Machine had to play in slightly bigger venues than us, so the waft wouldn't emanate from the stage quite as drastically as it would from us in, let's say, um, I don't know, uh, that bar in Oldham, Jackson's Pit in Oldham. <laughs> What's great about all these venues is they sound totally made up on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've made that up, but I really haven't. <laughs> the, the log hole, and uh, you know, uh, what was the other? What was the other gaff you played in Stoke called? Oh, the, the um, rock bar. The rock rigger rock bar. Yeah, rigger rock. Excellent. Stuff. Like. They're like brass eye names, aren't they? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shatner's bassoon and all that kind of stuff. Massive bereavement. Joss Ackland's <laughs> spunky backpack. <laughs> Nazi Jack's pretentious cheese wog. Uh, brass eye references make me extremely happy. Close <laughs> <laughs> the podcast with that if you want. We'll just, uh, well, <laughs> can't go wrong with it. Well, there's that, and we've we've recently introduced a new feature, which is you have to come up with the best verb of the noun band that you can. They're a bit of an obsession for us. We're really into um, verb the noun band. So burn the skyline, for example, mm. a very sort of generic-y kind of metalcore thing. So what's your best, even one you can remember, or one you just made up from the top of your head, what's your verb the noun band? Shit the bed. Oh, good. Good. There we go. Everyone knows it. Fantastic. (laughs) Good. Enjoyed that. I think uh, uh, think that definitely knocks Katie's off, doesn't it? We've only done it two weeks. So she's down to second, and I think that gets top spot. Oh, no. (laughs) Played one, 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 three points. (laughs) 
And the other thing we we, we finished on last time, which I quite I actually quite liked in these trying times, was what is your favourite gig you've ever played? We've, we've talked about a lot of negative experiences, but what gig do you re do you sort of relay it over and over in your head that was brilliant? I've got to say um, the headline tour that we uh, where we played Switzerland, um, we played. Boston Music Rooms, everyone knows it, everyone loves it. Mm. Um, yeah, we played there and the great thing was, because um, the Europe run, we did like four shows in Europe at the beginning and then did like a week in the UK. Uh, the Europe one was kind of like so-so. Um, but as soon as we got to the UK, um, I think all but one or two dates were sold out. Amazing. Which blew us away. We just like, how the fuck? <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it just uh, every every show in the UK was stellar, but we got to the Boston Music Rooms, which was the second to last night, um, and it's just one of those gigs where, like, we've talked a lot about gigs where every single thing goes wrong. With this one, it was every single thing went right. It was like loads of our friends there. It was as it was packed. It was just one of those things. Like we have. I'm sure you'll have had experiences like this as well. Like you just have, you don't really have any experiences because like not, not many of us know what it's like to play a sold out gig, like for that many people to go, <laughs> the capacity of a venue to go 300 people or so to go, yeah, I'll come see your band. Like not, the, mm. not just the supports. I won't leave after the supports. I'm here to see you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that That's always messed with us a bit. Just like, why are you still here? <laughs> Go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just playing that? in London, playing that venue that we've played so many times and for it to be sold out. And like the sound was great. The vibe in the room was amazing. Like it was another weird one for... Um, like mosh pits and circle pits it was just like we're not that kind of band we're a stand with your arms folded and politely nods kind of band <laughs> but like you know like i remember the first like holy shit gig was we played um the black heart as a headline show for release tour of the first album and that was another thing of like no one's gone home everyone here is here for us and everyone was going crazy that was awesome and then played 2000 trees 2018 and and that was another thing like creeper on the main stage and we were like oh no one's gonna bother to see us so you go on and you you sound check and there's uh, 10 stragglers at the front friends and family and stuff and you go off and you do your warm-up you have a bottle of water and then we came on and the tent was like overfilled like spilling out and we were just like where have you all come from there are other things to do uh, but yeah Boston Music Rooms was just fucking awesome that night like we just kind of felt like top of our game and on the drive home like we what was nice is um because the show the next day was at the Flapper in Birmingham uh we drove back to Brady's house that night and all got to you know, we got to sleep in his bed. We all got to sleep on the sofas and stuff. And it was just, ah, nice to be like yeah. playing a gig like that and then being somewhere familiar. Yeah. And we were still up all night, like just buzzing off the gig. Like have you ever had those gigs where like, you're just so like full of adrenaline afterwards that like, you, you can't place it anywhere. Cause you're just like, yeah. yeah. And yeah, <laughs> just all got Mackies and stayed up all night and chatted about it. It was just, awesome like great gigs are 
really hard to describe because yes. plain and simply, it's just like everything just goes right. And it's like, well, what goes right? Well, your stuff works. People like the songs. The sound is good. Brilliant. Like th- that's it. <laughs> Whereas when shit gigs go wrong, they really go wrong. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. And then crucially as well, things like you've got a nice loading, like you do in the Boston music rooms. Yeah, it's a lovely Where idea. it's, you know, where it is just a really straightforward load and that that can definitely contribute and um but hey you know it's nice to inject a little bit of positivity mm. uh even you know even if it's hard to quantify that level of positivity it's hard to say exactly why it was great but it's um, it's nice to hear us talking in positive terms about shows definitely i'm quite glad that we've bolted we started to bolt in the uh what was your best gig just at the end just to kind of the little palate cleanser there uh you know i think after John helps talked about someone get seeing someone getting shot in the face, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that was a, a bit of a, a, a turning point really. See what you've done, Tom is brought it right back. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. Go, go on, Greg. No, no, go on. No, I was, you usually uh, have something nice to say. Go on, Greg. No, 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 What's on the cards for Conjurer, if you can tell us? I don't know if I can tell you. There's, there is some like, (laughs) there is some really cool stuff. Um, I can tell you when we stop recording, (laughs) but yeah, there's some stuff in the works. Like we've, we've been going back to the whole like live streaming stuff. We were trying to figure out how to do that, but it'd be interesting. (laughs) <laughs> sort of thing because yeah. I get it I appreciate that you know bands want to play and they want to do something to entertain people and entertain themselves but like so many of these ones all all you do is watch them and go oh, I wish it was in like an actual room yeah like I wish I was actually there so we've got something up our sleeves regarding that and a cave <gasps> wow <laughs> that's as much as I'll say <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, you can kind of, that's kind of giving it all away. <laughs> Us, okay. But yeah, um, so we've got that kind of thing up our sleeves. Um, a lot of it really is um, just figuring out when to put this new album out. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. like, the prospective dates keep moving because, you know, labels don't want to put out an album when a band can't tour it. You know, they, they're going to want to keep their ear to the ground and sort of think, right, when's it looking likely that we can gig again and we can release it at the optimum time? But, like, who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, we've sort of fallen foul of that one a little bit, haven't we? Because, you know, ours, ours came out in December and, like, mm. it, it almost feels like it, it might have come out a year ago now because we've just not had to be not, we've, we've not been able to promote it at all, really sling out on social media and go here it is uh we were gonna tour but uh well we're not now and we are gonna do a live session to- oh no we're not gonna <laughs> uh, so- i tell you what before we all feel like throwing ourselves off a bridge shall we shall we finish the uh should we finish should we press the record end record button yeah and say <laughs> and say thank you to dan for coming on the podcast 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having shit gigs. <laughs> Bye.